Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right. What is up, Calvary Live? Great to be with you. My name is Josh Sorensen. I am not Ed Taylor. So if you are tuning in, hoping for Ed, my apologies. (laughs) But I am filling in for my good friend and pastor, uh, Ed Taylor, today on this Wednesday, January 10th show. Forgive me if I say Friday at any point during this next hour. I'm so used to being here. I'm the, I'm the host on Fridays. Of course, Pastor Jeff Figgs is the host on Mondays and Tuesdays, Pastor Ed typically on Wednesdays and Thursdays. But I have the privilege of jumping in today, so it is wonderful to be with you guys. Again, our number, 303-690-3000. Give us a call. 303-690-3000. Our text line is open as well, 720-336-0897. This is Calvary Live. Great to be with you. Uh, Calvary Live, if you're new or if you just happen to be on the dial and you're wondering what this is, uh, it's a show where you get the opportunity to call and ask a pastor, whatever pastor is hosting that day, a question about the Bible, a question about something perhaps that you've been struggling with or working through yourself. Maybe it's a question on Christian living. Maybe it's a relational question. You're trying to work out something in a relationship currently, uh, and you would like to know the Bible's perspective on some of these things. So wherever you are at, we are here to help regarding those things. Again, the heart of this show is that we just want to point you back to Jesus. We want to point you back to his word. That is the ultimate authority of our lives. Every single one of us comes under the authority of the word of God. And so that is the desire of this show. So if you've got questions, this would be a wonderful opportunity uh, and a place to call today. Again, tomorrow, Friday, we're here Monday through Friday, four o'clock to five o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Um, Also, again, I say this every time I'm on, but I just want to genuinely say it's a privilege to pray for you guys. Uh, And one of the great opportunities uh, that the show provides is that if you have something that you would like prayer for, maybe it's something personal for you, maybe it's something for a coworker, a family member, a neighbor, something else going on, health issues, financial issues, mental health issues, struggles. Uh, We all experience these things, but the wonderful thing is that we get to come to the Lord in prayer. His word says in Hebrews that we get to boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence, uh, knowing that he hears us, knowing that he inclines his ear towards us, knowing that he moves through our prayers. So not only does he invite us to pray, but he moves through our prayers. It's, it's our opportunity to get to partner in a wonderful way with him. And there's so much power in prayer. Uh, so not not in the power of the person praying it. Uh, it's not about going necessarily to a pastor, certainly not to a priest, and uh, because the Lord says you have access into his presence, direct access, any of you that have been born again because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But again, the wonderful thing about this show is we get to pray together, and 
all of the audience that's listening, uh, all of the thousands of people perhaps that are currently at any point in time tuning into the show will hear us pray for you. They'll agree in prayer, and you just have that much more prayer support behind you. Uh, And the radio is a very unique opportunity to do that in terms of prayer. So I personally love the opportunities to get to pray with you. So if there is something that the Lord is currently in this moment leading you um, to say, hey, don't worry about like being live on the air or what you're going to sound like. None of that matters. Just give us a call and allow us the privilege of praying for you. And I say us because, again, it's me um, and the audience that will come around you and pray for you. So that number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text us. And again, we don't always get to the text line right away, but we will do our best to try to get to as many of the texts coming in as possible. Uh, every single prayer request that comes in will be answered and will be prayed for. Uh, so that number is 720-336-0897. Uh, let me say that one more time, 720-336-0897. But the show is nothing without you, so give us a call, 303-690-3000. We're going to take our first call here, James calling from Greeley. Hey, James, how you doing today? Good, how are you, sir? Doing great, man. Thanks so much for calling. Yeah, absolutely. How can I help you today? Uh, so my fiance and I were kind of talking about uh, baptisms. Uh, she's Lutheran, and so um, they do like the baptism where you do it on like the baby's head, like a cup of water on the head. And um, I was just curious, kind of like, is, is there like a right and a wrong way to get baptized, or like where that where all that comes from? I'm just kind of loaded with questions. So yeah, that that's a great question, and you know there are great churches, Lutheran churches as you mentioned, uh, Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches that do what you're describing, which would be infant baptism. Um, now, from from uh, our, our our Calvary Church perspective, and and what we um, what we see the Bible teaches, it's silent on infant baptism. Uh, you don't see any record of babies being baptized in the New Testament, um, it, but but it has been practiced throughout the, the centuries in the Christian church. Uh, it started from Augustine, has kind of moved its way down through the Reformation. Um, but, but what we do see in Scripture, and that's our model that we follow, is, uh, again, what's called water baptism, uh, baptism by immersion. Uh, Jesus was baptized. He did that as an example to us. Um, Then, of course, uh, the believer's baptism has always been, from the day we see it in, in the New Testament up to today, Uh, an act of obedience, because the Lord says that's something that he desires every Christian would do as a public testimony of faith. Um, And so this this water baptism is, is, again, believer's baptism, you demonstrating your commitment, your identification to Christ in his death and his burial and his resurrection. That's the model that we have in Scripture. Uh, With the infant baptism, a lot of parents do that because it is a way of saying, I want my child to believe in Jesus. I want him to be raised in uh, a Christian home, in the faith. Uh, it's it's not, uh, for some of the churches, uh, Presbyterian churches, it's not the same thing as a Catholic um, 
baptism, uh, infant baptism uh, would be, or a uh, um, christening is what you might call it, because that the, their doctrine behind that's a little bit different. But uh, in the in the typical Protestant church, those churches that do baptize infants, um, the heart behind it is that they would grow up to know and to love Jesus. Now, what we do here in, in place of infant baptism, because we don't believe that that's something the Bible instructs us or teaches us or, or even gives example of us to do, we do in our church here what's called a child dedication. So a child comes up front in front of the entire church, the family, uh, the grandparents, it's wonderful, the other pastors, the cousins, they all come forward, and we get to lay hands on the family, and we pray uh, that the child would be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that he would be raised uh, to love Jesus, that the family would come around him to support him, to encourage him. So I think a lot of parents that do infant baptism, it, that's kind of their desire, to, to see their kid prayed for in that kind of a way. Um, it, it's not adding salvation to a child. It's not giving them something other than just we as a church are coming around you to pray for you as a family and pray for this precious life that they would come to know Jesus and then walk with him for all of all of their days. But but we don't believe that bap- the infants um, need to be baptized. That's that's something that, again, if you look at baptism and do a study of it, of scripture, it's always the individual person saying, I'm making a public profession of my faith in front of um, other witnesses that I have put my faith and trust in Jesus. I've decided to follow him. I'm identifying with him. There's no turning back. And then we get the privilege of baptizing him. And we call it immersion because that's the word baptizo from the Greek, uh, which is we, you know, we, we, we take them all the way under the water a picture of death. We bring them up out of the water, which is a picture of the resurrection. And there's nothing mystical or magical that happens in that moment of baptism other than there's a, a wonderful opportunity that they're publicly saying, I am for Jesus. I am on his team. Uh, and it's wonderful because here at our church, people celebrate it. They cheer it. It's exciting. A lot of times people will just be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Paul, when he talks about it, says, now walk in the newness of life. So it's a wonderful opportunity for people to come and to rededicate their lives and to, um, you know, to sort of just say, I, I do want to walk with Jesus. I do want to follow him. So hope that helps answer your question a little bit. But again, wonderful churches out there do infant baptisms, but um, we believe that the biblical model for us is what's called water or believer's baptism. And then in place of infant baptism, we'll do what's called a child and a family dedication. Okay, thank you. And do you have any uh, references that I can look back on in the Bible to to read? For, for baptism, absolutely. Let me uh, just get a couple here for you. So I would I would look at Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3, because those both give you the examples there of Jesus being baptized. Um, and then uh, we will notice that the disciples are baptizing those later on, uh, anybody that receives salvation in the name of Jesus. You see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, if you want to take note of that. You see it again in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Uh, you see it in Acts chapter 9, verses 17 through 18. Uh, two other passages I'll give you. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 is where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the na- nations, baptizing them, he says, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then in Romans chapter 
oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. I want to say either four or six, uh, right at the very beginning of one of those two chapters. I think it's four um, or six. I'm sorry. I think it's six uh, where he, Paul there begins to lay out a little bit of what the picture picture of baptism is there and talks about that. Yeah. So it's Romans six, Um, but that'll give you a little bit of a picture there of what uh, we see in scripture, um, again, we don't see a pouring or sprinkling uh, or infant baptism. We, we see, again, this, this believer's baptism uh, that's wonderful. Um, and there also are some great uh, resources out there. I'll just give you, there's this one uh, book that talks through all the forms of baptism in the history of the church and why we believe that believer's baptism is the biblical one. And the name of the book is just called Believer's Baptism, and it's written by two guys, Schreiner and Wright. So if you're really interested in digging in, uh, that book can be helpful by Schreiner and Wright called Believer's Baptism. Wherever you buy books, you can just uh, type that in. They'll discuss uh, infant baptism as well. But those passages I gave you reading through uh, Romans 6, Matthew 28, certainly the book of Acts, looking at Jesus modeling baptism for us and, and uh, right before he started his public ministry. Those are some great places to start and to see what the Bible says on those things. All right. <clears throat> Perfect. Thank you. All right. You're so welcome, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank All right. You. Have Bye. a great day. God bless you. All right, you are listening to Calvary Live. It looks like we've got one, maybe two lines open. 303-690-3000 is the number. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Or you can give us a text, 720-336-0897. I'll say that one more time, 720-336-0897. We're going to go to our next caller here. This is Kara calling from Colorado Springs. Hi, Kara. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Thank you. Good. So it must be a baptism question. Uh, do you have another baptism yeah. question? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I sure do. Yes. So I was having a discussion with um, a gentleman who's aspiring to become a pastor, and his question was, or the whole theme was about religion. And so I expressed that I don't necessarily believe in religion, but that I have a relationship with Christ. And so he asked me if I was baptized, and I said yes, and he asked me why I was baptized, and so I expressed, you know, that it's a part of my testimony, you know, from coming from a representation of going from death to life, you know, rising up and and whatnot. And he asked me um, if baptism is so important, why doesn't it say anywhere in the Bible that the disciples were baptized? Right. And— it, you know, it caught me off guard, and I said, well, I mean, I know that they wrote a lot of the books and, and whatnot, but I don't necessarily live by their—or I try not to live just by their example, but by Christ's example, and Christ was baptized, and that's who I want to follow. But it's, it has just bugged me for yeah. so long. <laughs> um, but I don't I don't know if, like, my—I don't want to say, like, my argument, because I don't like the fact that, like, I was arguing— about the Bible, because I don't want to ever feel like I'm, you know, one of the religious, like, Pharisees or anything like that, but I also don't want to be wrong about things, and, you know, and so just what is your take on that? Yeah, really, really good question, and I agree. I I am not a guy that enjoys back and forth um, 
arguing <laughs> when it comes to the Bible. There's yeah. there's those yeah. that debate, and that that can be okay. But but I do like what I do like about questions, like a question like that that he asked you that has been bugging you, is that it does it kind of forces you to want to find the answer and and to um, go yeah. back to Scripture and see what Scripture says. So so you're absolutely right. It doesn't give us indication in Scripture that the the, the twelve disciples in particular were baptized. That doesn't mean that they weren't. Uh, it just is mm-hmm. silent regarding that. But how we know where to practice something and, and, uh, and how we know um, the doctrine that we are to practice and to believe uh, is, is simply, and this isn't my thing, this is, uh, this is many scholars and commentators and pastors have said this, but if Jesus taught it uh, and then the dis- disciples practiced it and the early church practiced it, uh, and then later in the epistles, it's expounded on or added more information. That's how we have doctrine for the church. So Jesus practiced it, then the disciples in the early church practiced it, uh, and it was expounded on later by the uh, by the, the the New Testament letters that helps add some context and give some clarity to that. That's how we get doctrine today for the church. And the Bible says that there are two things that we would call ordinances that the church um, does that are important for every single church to practice. Communion is one of them, where we meet on the first day of the month and we celebrate communion. It doesn't have to be the first day of the month, but that's when they would do that, first day of the week in the New Testament. Um, but as long as we're regularly remembering the, the the body and the blood of Jesus being broken for us, so that's considered, you could call that an ordinance or even a sacrament of the church um, that we practice. And that happens regularly. Then there's baptism, which is really a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a thing to do. And one of the ways that we know that um, that baptism is something for the early church is, uh, G- of course, it was taught one of the very last things Jesus said is to go baptize disciples of all nations. Again, we don't see um, necessarily the disciples themselves getting baptized, but I, I have the feeling they probably were. But baptism was something that was really instituted in the church after Jesus left and, w- and went up into heaven. Jesus did it as a model uh, for what was coming, and his baptism was a, a, a baptism for um, the nation of Israel. That was John's baptism, the nation of Israel to repent and come back to the Lord. That was before the baptism that we currently call water baptism. So if the disciples were not baptized with that, it's because really baptism wasn't instituted until the early church. But we know that once the, once the early church was born in Acts chapter 2, it says there that 3,000 believers were baptized that same day, the moment they gave their lives to Jesus. Then in Acts chapter 8, it talks about uh, the Ethiopian with Philip. He was baptized the same day that he believed. Uh, then Paul uh, was Saul. Then Paul was baptized about three days after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then it says a woman in Acts chapter 16 was baptized the very same day she believed. Of course, Acts 16 tells us that the Philippian jailer and his family were baptized the night that they believed. So the early church uh, is, is where... Baptism, this public profession of faith and trust in Jesus Christ, was instituted, and the reason is because it's a picture of what Jesus did. So that the disciples walking with Jesus wouldn't have understood the death and resurrection of Jesus. So that picture of a baptism wouldn't have meant anything to them uh, in terms of the believer's baptism. Now, again, as I said, maybe later on in their life, 
uh, after baptism became clear to them, and they were like, oh, I get it. I get what this is about now, and I get even how the Old Testament form of baptism was almost a picture of what we now call believer's baptism, and, and I have no doubt that at some point they too probably did get baptized. We just don't have record of it, but we don't necessarily need record of it. What, what we need to know is, did Jesus teach it? And then did, did, did the early church practice it in the book of Acts? And then did the apostles expound on it? And the answer to baptism is yes for all of those things. And so again, um, 1 Corinthians and Romans chapter 6 there's, and, and Colossians chapter 3, there's a number of places that give us a picture of not just what baptism is, but the spiritual, um, the spiritual un- understanding that baptism is kind of symbolizing or acting out. So... Uh, so I do think, again, whether or not the, bat- the disciples got baptized themselves doesn't really matter because it's what the early church practiced and then the, the, the apostles expounded on that has meant to, to have been the model for us as a church today. Yeah, okay. That's kind of like where I, I just, like I said, it caught me off guard and it, I did start looking into it more, um, not to be like shaken by it or anything, but it's just, it's nice to hear and to know that I wasn't necessarily wrong, you know? And so I thank you for, for all of that. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. Absolutely. And it's a great question too, because, you know, um, baptism has always been a way in the Bible to identify with something. So you do see a form of baptism in the old Testament, but that's more purifying before you're, 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 you're stepping into the, um, uh, the sacrifices, you see some of that. Uh, or if you're going to um, be a, a Gentile that wants to become part of the Jewish faith, you would you would be baptized in, into that to identify yourself now as, as a Jew. Then John the Baptist, that's why he was called the Baptist, because he was baptizing yeah. people. But that was different even than what we do now in the church. That was a baptism, again, as I mentioned, of repentance for the nation of Israel to be baptized so that they could publicly identify with God, with Jehovah, Yahweh, turning their hearts back to him because they had fought, they had walked so far away from him. Uh, and then Jesus yeah. came and got baptized by John's baptism, but he was doing that as a model, not because he needed to repent of anything, of course, but as a model yeah. for us. And so that's uh, he, so he demonstrates that for us. And I don't think that was super clear until later after his death, after his resurrection, after he spent 40 days with the disciples and was met at one point with 500 people at one time and, uh, and explained these things and these mysteries in the kingdom and what all of this stuff meant. Then the early church understood that and they ran with it from there. Okay. Um, the gentleman who had the question before, what was the book you were telling him about? Yes. So it's a book called, uh, just called Believer's Baptism. Uh, and okay. and it's a uh, it's a um, it, it's a book if you really so it's I should say it's not the easiest to read book it's not a difficult to read book but it's not not a quick little read but it's a book that will take you through baptism from the beginning to the end of Bible and every kind of um, dispensation so in the Old Testament and then in John the Baptist and then the early church and they'll take you through the history of baptism throughout church history. And why some churches have decided to do infant baptism and why other yeah. churches like us do believers baptism. And then they make the argument for believers immersion water baptism. Um, and so for someone that really wants to know, it's a great resource. And uh, if you read the book, by the end of it, you'll have a Bible college level understanding of baptism, which is, which is <laughs> wonderful. So, uh, so if you make it yeah. that far, you, 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 uh, you should get a certificate. <laughs> 
All right. Well, challenge accepted. All right. Great. Well, let us know if you do. All let right. us know what you think. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pastor. Oh, you're so welcome, Kara. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Take care. All right. You too. God bless you. All right. I uh, want to say hello to Larry, who did have a question, um, but it looks like he was dropped. So Larry from Amarillo, if you're still listening, uh, we'll, we'll try to get some time to... Uh, to get to your question as well. But let me give out the number again for those of you that are tuning in. This is Calvary Live. My name is Josh with you in place of Pastor Ed Taylor today answering your Bible questions. Again, would love to pray with some of you. So if the Lord is laying on your heart, just give give a call. Uh, receive some prayer. Know that it's not just me praying for you, although I'm honored to do that, but you're going to have a, a family of believers from all over the United States that will be praying along with you. And we get text messages of people after we pray that say, I'm going to continue to pray for that person. I'm going to continue to, to, to move forward. Um, so, uh, so wonderfully, again, give us a call. We'd be happy to pray for you. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We've got a few minutes left before we take our break. So we're going to go to Gerald here from Atlantic City. Gerald, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing all right. Good. Great to hear um, from you. Yeah, I have a question about 1 John 3. Four through ten. Okay. About, about how uh, it says something about if you uh, if you live in God, you don't keep on sinning and sins of the devil and um, anyone who sins is of the devil. Yes. So, so well, uh, are we supposed to take it that we? Sin and you know we're just of the devil, or why does it say not sin yeah. at all? Great question. So let me let me read that for everyone else that's listening. Um, it okay. says, "Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness." Uh, and you know that he was manifested, Jesus speaking of here, to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him, in Jesus, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Um, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And then it says here, and I think this is your question, verse 8, 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil." And then, but then he goes on to say in verse nine, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. So if you were to look at that verse and as your question, which is a great question, it would almost, almost appear like if you say uh, that whoever has been born of God does not sin for his, Jesus's seed remains in him. Does that mean then that we no longer sin or that somehow Christians get to a place where they're sinless? Well, what I think he's emphasizing here is there's a change of being of the devil from the previous verse to being children of God. Um, And when this happens, our old nature that we were before we were saved, um, the, the pattern of our lives, all of that dies and we've been given a new nature that's now patterned and modeled after obeying Jesus So when John is writing this, he's simply emphasizing what it means to be born again. It means that a change comes into the life of a believer um, and that uh, it's worked out in every area of our life and that it's observable. Like people can look at a life of a person that says they're a born again Christian and see some kind of a difference. 
Paul would say it this way. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, 22, we are to put off concerning our former conduct, the old man, uh, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. We are to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So when it says there, does not sin, he cannot sin, each has uh, uh, the same idea, meaning there uh, in in the original Greek, it's a continual practice of habitual sin. Um, so John is saying to us there that when we are born again and that, that is born into the family of God, there's a real change in our relationship to sin. What he's not saying there uh, is that we don't struggle with sin or that we don't fall into sin. But the idea, again, in the, in the Greek there is this continual practice of sin in the sense of it being habitual and unrepented of um, now, I will say this. If this was the only verse we had on this subject, it would, it, it would remain a confusing verse. Um, but the fact that we have all the rest of Scripture, the rest of Scripture helps, us to, helps inform us as well on what this particular verse means. Because we know the, the Bible does talk about the fact that Christians do struggle with sin. And that's why First John, he says, if you, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why Paul says, sometimes I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. Who, who will rescue me from the body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, nowhere does the Bible teach that we will stop sinning Hopefully, though, the heart behind what John is saying is that there won't be habitual, unrepentant, willful sin in our lives, which is different than a struggle with sin. So let me uh, take a break here, and hopefully that answers your question, and we'll come back and add some clarity to it in a minute. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right, welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. Thank you to those of you that are just now joining us and jumping in. I especially want to shout out uh, Kingman, Arizona is now listening to Calvary Live Life. And I say that because there are some stations that listen to us a week delayed, but Kingman, Arizona on the Way Radio just picked up Calvary Live live, I believe, yesterday for the first time. Uh, and in that uh, part of Arizona, there is a tribe called the Hualapai tribe. Hualapai means people of the tall pines, and they also uh, are the audience that we are so privileged to be able to reach. So if you are in Kingman, Arizona, if you're listening on the Way Radio, KGPS, uh, and particularly if you're part of the Hualapai tribe, uh, we would love to at some point hear from you, whether you want to call us or text us or email us, but it would be wonderful. Let me give out the numbers again. Uh, if you have a Bible question or a prayer request that we could pray for, I see uh, both a Bible question and a prayer request uh, currently waiting in the queue, but our number is 303-690-3000. Again, this show is nothing without you, so we want to hear from you. We want to hear your questions. We want to be able to lift up whatever it is that you're walking through. There's no, no prayer request too small. 
And because our God is great, there's no prayer request too big. And I want to encourage you that if there's something weighing on you uh, and, and you're in the car driving or you're at home or uh, you just are feeling the Holy Spirit tugging your heart and say, yeah, you know what? You need prayer for this. You need to just ask uh, uh, this particular pastor on the air to pray for you. Know this, that it won't just be me and you. Uh, it will be an army of believers that are currently listening that will agree with the prayer, come around you, and God himself is going to move through our prayer on your behalf. So give us a call if that is you, 303-690-3000. I am reading every single text that's coming in. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if I can get to all of them on the air. Um, We will certainly respond to every prayer request that comes in, but I am reading. Uh, So if you'd like to text us a question or particularly a Bible uh, I'm sorry, a prayer request. That number is 720-336-0897. We're going to go back here to Jarrell calling from Atlantic City. We were talking through in the first half, First John 3, 9. Uh, what does it mean there where it talks about believers not sinning anymore? Uh, Jarrell, did, was that helpful for you at all? Do you have any follow-up questions on that? Well, it was helpful, but I still keep wandering back to thinking that you just don't sin. That you just that you just don't say, well, you know, that is wonderfully, that's the goal. That that would be the heart for every believer is that we would rid sin from our lives. Um, the Bible calls that the theological word that the, the, um, we refer to is sanctification, where we move from um, a new believer that just put their faith and trust in Christ and just lived a whole life of sin. Uh, and I am being made more and more like Jesus. And so as I'm getting closer to Jesus, as I've been walking with him for all of my years, hopefully you're seeing in my life less and less sin. Hopefully as a, a person that's been walking with Jesus for a year, I'm different than I was a year ago. 10 years, hopefully I'm different than I was 10 years ago. Hopefully in, in, in 20 years from now, I'll be different. Uh, then the Bible says that in heaven, on the other side of eternity, we'll be glorified. And wonderfully, we do know that that is the place where there's no more sin, the Bible tells us, no more sorrow. Every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. No more cancer, no more divorce, no more pornography, no more murder. Uh, it, It will be glorious to be in the presence of the Lord, the presence of one another with none of this, no gossip, no slander, no lying, no lust. That will all be rid from us in our glorified bodies. So we are a work in progress. And so I agree with you. I think the goal would be, and I, and I, I would ask everybody listening to pray for me, pray for Jarrell, pray for, pray for yourself, that we would see less sin in our lives. I just don't think the scripture teaches us that any of us will ever end up sinless on this side of eternity, but we will in, in, in heaven, in eternity for sure. Okay. Well, Jarrell, thanks so much for calling. That was a really, really good question. And, um, and I, again, as I would say, First John's just one one uh, particular area that Paul, that I'm sorry, that John is referencing. Um, but Romans chapter six, seven, and eight give a little bit of an idea of some of that as well, um, and of course many other passages. But maybe compare this section that you're reading in First John, which is a wonderful section, uh, to Romans chapter six, seven, and eight, and kind of see how that the, the two can kind of help inform each other a little bit. That's what we would call scripture interpreting scripture and helping us get a little bit of a better understanding. But so thankful for your call and I hope you are doing well out there in Atlantic City. Okay. All right. God bless you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Uh, I was going to ask what the weather was, but I will say this. Uh, it's 33 degrees here today in uh, in Aurora, Colorado, right outside of Denver. It's mostly sunny. Sound like a, uh, what do they call it, a meteorologist right now. But this is crazy. My wife told me on Sunday it's going to be a high of three. One, two, three. Not 33. Not 30, but three. And as I was looking at this, I was like, is my wife... Is that did she re- misread that? No, it's going to be a high of three and a low of negative eight on Monday. It'll be much better, a high of four and a low of negative twelve. So, uh, pray for us in Colorado, and if you're in anywhere else that's colder than us, then we'll pray for you. Um, but uh, it's it's one certainly one of those uh, cold weeks. It's coming upon us. So. Uh, again, you're listening to Calvary Live. I'm filling in for Ed Taylor. My name is Josh Sorensen. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go here to Matt from Commerce City. Hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for calling Calvary Live. Good. I just wanted to say I've been listening to you guys every morning and every afternoon while I drive to and from work uh, awesome. the last couple of years. Love you guys. You're a great addition to the team. Thank you, brother. Um, and I'm so thankful you're listening and, and, and just that the Lord's ministering to you through this ministry. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, calling today for some prayer from you guys. Great. I've got a double hernia surgery tomorrow morning, and I'm a bit. Um, I just want some blessing over the surgeon's hands. Yeah, and hey, for a easy recovery. Ab- absolutely, man. Uh, and I would be doing the same thing you're doing if I was having a double hernia surgery. I'd be asking for prayer, um, and would probably be a bit nervous right now, but. Uh, Wonder, wonderfully, I've had the privilege of praying with other people, um, actually not even too long ago. I can't remember if it was a hernia surgery or a double hernia surgery, but I, I love, again, God, just just a context of when we pray for this, that God invites us to pray. He says, ask and seek and knock, and then he'll do. Um, but then he moves through our prayers. So as we pray uh, for your surgery tomorrow, I really do believe God is going to do the things that we pray for and, and ask for because he's invited us to do this and he will guide in, in, the, in the, the doctor's hands and he will give you a peace. And um, so I, I'm just so thankful that prayer isn't just like a wish that we throw out there, <laughs> but that we really believe that God himself listens to us when we pray and moves through our prayer. So God, I just want to thank you for Matt. Uh, bless him. Bless him there in Commerce City. Lord, we've got some friends out there as well that we're thankful for. And uh, and just thank you for Matt, Lord, having enough, uh, even faith, I would say, to give us a call and just say, hey, would you join me in praying for this surgery that he has tomorrow? And uh, I just want to start by saying, God, that you would give him your peace. Your, your word says that you are the prince of peace. And that's a good person to go to, uh, to ask for peace. Jesus, you said, uh, that uh, um, my peace I leave to you, not as the world gives. So when we come to you, there's a peace that you you extend to us, and I'm so thankful for that. It's a gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit as well. You also say that you give us a peace that passes our understanding. And so I'm just praying that peace now for Matt, and I pray, God, that you'd fill his uh, heart and mind with that peace, Lord. And it's certainly, as he's asked for, that you would guide the doctors, the surgeons' hands tomorrow. I'm sure for them, Lord, they do this regularly, uh, and so they aren't probably going into the surgery nervous tomorrow. But for those of us, Lord, that are receiving these operations, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, and yet we know it's a big deal to you. you. You say to us, we can take every care of ours and cast them into your 
hands because you care for us, Lord. So his life is yours. Matt's body is yours. Uh, you said uh, in your word that we've been purchased at a price, therefore honor God with our bodies. So our bodies were also purchased in addition to our souls, Lord. You, you care about both. Uh, we're thankful for physicians. We're thankful for medicine. We're thankful for technology. Uh, we're thankful that you can heal and help us with, with, with these kinds of issues, hernias, Lord, and all sorts of other things. And, and, but we also believe that you're a God that heals. And so I just pray that through all of this, Lord, he would come out on the other side of the surgery tomorrow healed and whole, that the surgery would be successful, and, and that he would have a peace going into this God, and that you would just give him a heart of thankfulness, Lord, uh, the ability to be able to say thank you that I'm in a, a place where I, I get to exp get to receive the surgery, uh, where I get to trust that God is behind the scenes moving, um, and that I get to believe that this God loves me and cares for me and will give me a peace heading into this. So we trust you, Lord, with these things. Uh, we love you, and we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome, brother. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, a uh, couple of uh, just quick things. I want to respond to a text message that came in here. Uh, and I see we do have one line open, so let me go ahead and give out the number again, 303-690-3000. See if we can uh, fill that line up, 303-690-3000. But we got a text message, uh, and I just wanted to read this because we had somebody asking about infant baptism in the first half, and then somebody else calling and asking another question about baptism, and so we talked about baptism. She said, I left the uh, Lutheran Church and have been in Calvary Church Aurora for the past 10 years. The Lutheran Church believes the same as Catholics, that humans are saved from uh, the original sin through infant baptism, which, is, as I mentioned, there's a different kind of a doctrine uh, that, that um, the Catholicism and, and I agree that, that Lutheran uh, churches teach as well that no salvation happens without infant baptism. Uh, and, and so I, I would just want to say again, that is not what Scripture teaches, nor does Scripture teach that baptism brings salvation to your life. Uh, adult water believer's baptism. Pastor Ed, I think it was a week ago or two, talked about this very issue. Um, so baptism is something we do as a response to salvation. But a couple people have already texted and said, can you give me the name of that book one more time? So the book that I mentioned before was called Believer's Baptism, uh, and it's uh, part of the New American Commentary Studies uh, is the is the set that that's a part of. But you can get that particular book, Believer's Baptism, uh, by Thomas Schreiner and Sean Wright. Uh, but I, I've, there's another book that I also want to recommend to you that's really good. It's a thin little book. Uh, I've read this book. Uh, I've recommended this book. Many people have, have uh, got this book that just want um, a, a kind of an overview of baptism just to get your, your mind wrapped around it. So I'll give you this title as well. Baptism, the Believer's First Obedience. That's the name of the book. Baptism, the Believer's First Obedience. This one's more of a kind of an introduction to this. The first book I mentioned is a little bit more of a deep dive. Um, but this is written by a man named Larry Dyer, D-Y-E-R. Larry Dyer, again, it's uh, Baptism, the Believer's First Obedience. So if you are interested in baptism, those would be a couple books that we would recommend absolutely. Uh, let's go back to the phone calls here. I see that we've got both Janice and uh, Rhiannon, if I'm saying that right. We're going to go to Rhiannon here in Colorado Springs first. Rhiannon, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good, and it's actually Rhiannon. Rhiannon, is that right, Rhiannon? Yes, sir. Awesome, wonderful. Well, thank you, Rhiannon. How can we help you today? Um, I was just listening, and every time I listen to the radio, I just um, 
always feel like not the need but the want to reach out and just um, get prayed for just because I don't have a lot of strong believers in my life. Um, but just right now I'm going through a very, very dark um, season in my life. It has directly and indirectly to do with this relationship that I'm in with um, the father of my ch children. Okay. And <clears throat> so I just want to get prayed over that I could get through this through his strength because right now mine is not enough. And I... I cannot see, like, a way out of this at this point, and I, I don't want it to drag me further away from God at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, that's a great prayer to pray. Paul says that when we're weak, and we know that we're weak, uh, and we feel our weakness, that's actually a good thing, Paul says. Paul, Paul says that if, uh, if I were to stand up and boast, he says, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses, in my infirmities, in my persecution, in my troubles. He says, because when I am weak— then I am strong because he, the power of Jesus rests on me, he says, uh, in my weakness. So the idea is like a, um, your weakness is a magnet to the strength of God. And when we call out to God, he comes and fills you with his strength uh, and gives you wisdom to lead you and to guide you through see the seasons like you're walking through now. Um, and I would encourage you too. I don't know if you're part of a regular church in Colorado Springs or not, but there's there's many good churches, and one of the, the benefits of church is anyone that's walking through um, any kind of traumatic relationships, uh, and, and, you know, as you mentioned, you've got chil uh, children, or your child, I think you said one child, or was there more than one? We have two. Two children, okay. Um, that a, a church can be a, a, a family that can walk alongside you through this. They can check in on you. They can pray for you. Um, they can certainly will love you through this. Uh, that's part of the, the joy and the benefit of being adopted into a family. Um, so uh, if you would like, we've got resources for great churches in Colorado Springs, but uh, I, I, is, is there a church that you would consider a home church or have you just not found one yet, just out of curiosity? Um, yes, our church has changed pastures, so I'm just um, hanging in there. But I've just kind of always been, I guess, a lone ranger. So I go to church. I've been going to church for a very long time. My parents introduced me to God when I was super young. So I've just always had that relationship with him. But I haven't had that community yet. I haven't found anyone to encourage me during these times. It's like quite the opposite, actually. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll definitely pray for that. And I would say, too, if you're not getting that at your current church, um, perhaps there's, there's, and I, and not just perhaps, I know that there's other churches out there that you will find a community of people that will welcome you and love you. Uh, and so, uh, for some reason, sometimes the churches we become a part of, we, perhaps we don't always, uh, um, find the things that, that the Lord wants us to find there. Um, but there are people out there that I know would walk with you and love you and help you through this. So I'll just also pray for you. And then is your boyfriend, is he a believer, an unbeliever? Where's he at in terms of his faith? When I met him, he was a really good person. That's kind of like what's playing into this as well is because it's like he's not even there no more. Like he got so lost. Like I don't even recognize him at this point. And he's like taking me down with him. And so I try to encourage him. We go to church together, but it's like, like we leave church where church is at, and we just go home, and that's it. And I try to, like, I read my Bible, I talk about God, and it, go, it just goes in one ear and out the other. So yeah. I know that's his own journey. I'm not trying to force it at all. Sure. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, you know, you want to—obviously, um, we'll pray for him as well. Um, you, you certainly— 
can only work first and foremost on your own relationship with the Lord. Then you've got these two precious children, and you get uh, the privilege of being able to tell them about Jesus and point them to Jesus. Um, and we'll pray that your boyfriend as well will come to that place where, you know, because you don't want to be with somebody that's going to drag you down and, and pull you away long term. That's, that's not going to be good. But we'll pray that God would do a work in his heart that perhaps he could come back to a place where he's trusting in Jesus again as well. Uh, our our uh, producer, Kevin, here just reminded me a couple other great churches that we'd recommend. Rocky Mountain Calvary, Calvary Worship Center, uh, New Life Church. There's a couple of great Calvaries in the, in the Colorado Springs area as well. Churches, I should say. But let me just go ahead, uh, Rhiannon, and just pray for you, and, and we'll ask the Lord to do a work. Uh, and I want to say, too, thank you for calling. I know you mentioned at the beginning of the call that uh, you thought of calling and kind of felt the um, the, the the urge to call, but I just appreciate your willingness to call because as I pray, there's going to be many others that will be thinking of you and praying for you right now um, as, as we lift these things up together. So, Father, I thank you so much for my sister. I thank you for her two precious children, her parents, uh, certainly for her boyfriend, God. You have seen their lives and this relationship from the beginning to the end. You understand, uh, Lord, the things behind the scenes that we can't see. We do know, Lord, that, that we live in a physical realm, but there's also a spiritual realm behind the scenes, uh, and, you, and you understand what's going on there. Um, Lord, you understand the difficulty, the pain, the tears that have been shed, the questions, Lord, that have come up. Um, you know, Lord, uh, how uh, Rhiannon is wanting to see her children walk with you and even her boyfriend walk with you. Uh, and she's been trying to talk about the Bible and pray. Um, and yet she's expressed, Lord, that, that he just doesn't seem interested in that right now. There's a lot going on, Lord. And I'm sure that we could talk for, for a couple hours and just begin to just barely unpack some of these things. But here's what's wonderful, God. And I'm so thankful for this. You know you know exactly what's going on. You've seen every step, Lord, you, every moment. Your word says you even know a thought before she thinks it and a word before she speaks it. You're familiar with all of her ways and you love her, God, and you are for her. You're not against her, your word says, uh, and that there's nothing that can separate Rhiannon's love from you, that you said, Lord, you would never leave her and you'd never forsake her. So I know she's in a very difficult season right now, but I pray that she feels that and senses that, God, um, and that all the more in her weakness, she mentioned that, Lord, her weakness, in her weakness, that she would draw close to you. And you promised, Lord James chapter 3, that you will draw close to us when we draw close to you. This beautiful um, relationship, close relationship that we can have with you, where, where you're closer than a brother, your word says, that you're a friend, Lord, you're, and, and you're also our God. You're powerful enough to do anything. And when we come to you, we're believing and asking for your power to be in her life, in her children's lives, Lord, that you would give them a, a real sense of your, your, your presence with them. As she reads the Bible, Lord, that you would speak so clearly, just as I'm speaking, just as she's spoken to me, that she would hear the voice of God that would be deep uh, in, her, in her soul, Lord, would speak and minister to her, that you'd breathe life into her relationship with you, God, that you would reposture her heart back towards you again. It sounds like perhaps she's been burnt by some people in church. It sounds like some of those relationships haven't been helpful. Um, I pray that she would either um, find some new people in her current church or find a new church where she will be surrounded with 
people that love you first and foremost, a church that teaches your word, a church that prays, but but the mark of all that would be love, um, and where people will will walk her through the seasons of life that she's walking through and champion her and um, celebrate the victories and pray through the weaknesses. Uh, and also, Lord, a family where she too can pray into their lives and encourage them and bear one another's burdens, all the things that you say in your word. So I just pray that she'd have that kind of a spiritual support, Lord. And perhaps it's time for her to maybe start looking into another church or maybe supernaturally you'll bring just a couple of those people around her in her life um, to provide that for her, Lord. She's admitted that she's kind of a lone ranger, um, but we know, Lord, that you've saved us not just into a relationship with you, but a community with your people. So I just feel a burden on my heart to pray that for her because I know what a blessing and what an encouragement, what a strength that would be for her. Um, but at the end of the day, Lord, it's her, it's you. She's also a mother, so she's wanting to raise these kids before you. We pray for her boyfriend, God, that you would do a work in him, uh, that he wouldn't be dragging her down, Lord. Uh, if he continues to move in that direction, that you give her wisdom with what to do with that relationship. Uh, but we do pray, Lord, that he too, would his heart would be changed. And nobody can change his heart. She can't change his heart. He can't change his own heart. But you can do that, God. So we're asking you to do what only you can do. And we're praying all these things in the good name of Jesus, who has been nothing but faithful to her, nothing but good. And we trust you, Lord Jesus. And we pray these things today in the, in the good name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, sister, thank you so much for calling. Um, and I, again, I, I am sorry for all the difficulty that you're walking through, but I have no doubt uh, that God heard our prayer just now, that he's going to move in our prayer, that he hears your prayers when you're alone and you're praying, that he speaks when you read the word, the things that you've talked about. He loves you um, and that he hasn't brought you this far just to leave you. There's there's more for you. He's got more for you. So continue to press into him. Continue to trust him. We're here and available. If you want more prayer, you can call anytime. Uh, you can text anytime and we'll pray for you. We've got a prayer team of people at the church uh, that pray for all the text prayer requests that come in. Um, but you're not alone. You've got, a, you've got people here that love you. But more than that, you've got a Savior that promised he'll never leave you. So continue to lean into Jesus. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for calling. God bless you. I hear your kids in the background, too. So give them a hug from oh, us. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you as well. Thank, thank you so you. much. Absolutely. All right. Before we run out of time, we're going to get to a more caller here. Uh, and this is our sister Janice calling. Uh, and Janice is from Mobile, Alabama. Hello. How are you doing? Welcome to Calvary Live. All is well. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. How can we help you today? I was going back on what you when you were talking about the baptism. You don't have to go over everything that you were saying. I stand in agreement with it. But there are some churches that believe in baptizing in the name of Jesus. And there are some churches that believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's I want right. you to expound on that. A absolutely. That's a really, really good question. Um, yeah, there are there are churches that will only baptize in the name of Jesus, um, and they uh, do that. Certainly, this was Jesus's great commission, is what it's called, the great commission, where he says, go and, and make disciples, baptizing them, make disciples of all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, so uh, it's, it's interesting, again, in the Greek there, um, he says, if you notice, in the name singular, 
of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, so what's, what's, what's kind of hidden in that um, is the experience of God in these three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At the same time, it's a singular noun, name there. He doesn't say baptize them in the names, plural, but he says in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it underlines the unity of all three of them there. Um, and Jesus, the Son, certainly is a part of that. But uh, when, when, we, when we baptize here at the church, we follow this example. We also follow the example of, of much of church history um, that will baptize uh, in, in the, the the name of the triune God, um, because He is one God, but He's three persons, um, and I love that baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, and and that that in the name is just this idea of uh, we're entering into allegiance is the idea, baptizing them into allegiance into identification um, that we are now disciples and we, and we are being taught of the things that Jesus have has commanded. Um, and so that would be my short answer to that. There are arguments for why some churches only baptize in the name of Jesus. Um, a lot of that has to do with some of their church tradition or even some of their theology, but we simply just want to honor. And by the way, I, I don't think that the baptism does or doesn't work um, if you were to baptize in the name of Jesus, I still think that's okay, and that's a baptism, uh, and because I don't think there's anything mystical about what we're doing, about the water, even necessarily about what we say. The point of baptism is that the person that's being baptized is publicly identifying themselves with Jesus. That's what's most important. They don't get saved. Uh, they don't necessarily get anything added other than the blessing of, step, of taking that step of obedience. It's a step of obedience to be baptized. Every believer should be baptized. But we, as a church here, we believe um, that Jesus tells us that's, that's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God, the triune Godhead. And so that's how we will, we will baptize people here. Um, but certainly, again, you are including Jesus in that. And so um, that's a short answer probably to more that we could talk about to your question. But I, but I always find that interesting because that, that, that just gives us a hint there of the Trinity uh, in the name, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love that part of Scripture. All right, thank you. All right. Hope that was helpful for you. Thank you so much for calling, sister. Appreciate it. How, how are things out there in mo uh, mobile? Uh, yesterday we had a little rough weather, but today it was good. Wonderful. And our weather goes and comes. It's like the Bible says in the last day, you won't know the winter from the summer. Amen. Isn't that the truth? And we are certainly living in the last days. I have no doubt about that. Amen. And you all be blessed. I enjoy your radio station. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much for listening. We're so thankful for you and just uh, appreciate those kind words and so thankful that you called with your question. God bless you. God bless you all. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, one thing I wanted to just add to that question, too, uh, is there's this this theology called the oneness theology. So that's that's kind of what she's addressing there. Those of you listening don't need to worry about that. Just get baptized. <laughs> That's the, that seems to be the theme of the show, baptism today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Calvary Live. We love you guys. That's what we're here for. Appreciate you. God bless you. Uh, Pastor Ed will be back with you tomorrow, Thursday. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.